Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. And I'm your host, John Siegley, with a kind of uh, emergency-style podcast here. We're breaking from our normal schedule where we would be talking with EJ and Mike on the football side, but we've got some breaking basketball news tonight, actually. Carolina just got a big-time commit from five-star Nas Little, and to talk about that one, I have got Inside Carolina's beat reporter Sherelle McMillan, and Rel, just start us off with how big of a deal is this that Carolina was able to land Little? Well, it's a big deal for a variety of reasons. I think the first thing is if, you know, you listen to pundits and media and even the fan base, there's been some concern that North Carolina's recruiting had slipped from where it was in previous years. And that concern was, I think, to a degree warranted. If you look at the 2015, the 2016, and the 2017 classes, I think they combined for one McDonald's All-American, which is not typical of North Carolina recruiting, Tony Bradley being the only McDonald's All-American out of all three of those. Obviously, McDonald's All-Americans, you know, it's not the end-all, be-all of good basketball, but it is kind of a, a tell for exactly how good you're recruiting. So, one, Nazir Little is a slam-duck home run McDonald's All-American. There should be no question about that. Two, he is a top-10 player. And since the national championship in 2009, North Carolina's only had three other top-10 players that they've signed, Harrison Barnes, James Michael McAdoo, and Justin Jackson. So it it was, you know, you hate to say a drought because there's so many schools who would kill to have a top 10 player every four years. But for North Carolina, going four classes without one was considered, you know, kind of an anomaly. And so now they're back with a top 10 recruit and one who should be an instant impact player in Chapel Hill next year. Yeah, and getting those top 10 guys, there's a direct correlation, I think, between those guys and the success of, of the teams. I mean, you know, the championship squad of last year, Still had Justin Jackson on it, who, like you said, was that five-star guy. Obviously, Harrison Barnes and James Michael McAdoo, they contributed in big ways to teams that won a lot. And I agree with you. This is a big-time land for Roy Williams and the UNC program, especially right now. But talk with us a little bit. What kind of player is Nas Little? I mean, how would you describe his game? Would you say that he compares with anyone maybe that's currently on the roster or maybe a previous Tar Heel what have you seen from him that you can tell the listeners about what to expect once he arrives in Chapel Hill? Well, yeah, first to your other point, it's kind of interesting because there's this kind of storyline going around that North Carolina has taken these, you know, maybe not so great players, a ragtag group of, you know, guys who nobody wanted and, you know, developed them and won a championship. They definitely developed them. But I mean, Justin Jackson was a top 10 player. Theo Pinson was a top 20 player. Joel Berry was a top 30 player. Tony Bradley was a top 25 player. Uh, Isaiah Hicks was a top 15 player. Kennedy Meeks was a top 50 player. So it's not like they were scraping at the bottom of the barrel. They still had really, really talented guys. They just weren't what I think North Carolina was accustomed to over the last 30 years, which was top 10 players. Those guys have kind of started to choose Duke and Kentucky and some other schools. So I just think that's interesting how it, it the storyline has kind of played out. Like North Carolina didn't have any talent when they had a ton of talent last year. At any rate, Little, he's he's uh, Rob, call, Rob, Rob Harrington calls him a dynamic scorer and kind of a power wing. And I think that's fair because last year this time, I think when North Carolina started looking at him and then recruited him some in April, you know, they have a, a slot open they want to combo for it, which is someone who can kind of 
play in the post and someone who can kind of play on the perimeter as well. And I think initially they saw him in that combo forward role, but during the summer, he really truly evolved into a true wing. And depending upon the roster construction of North Carolina next year, they need someone who can come in and, you know, challenge Brandon Robinson for minutes. You know, Cameron Johnson may or may not be in Chapel Hill next year. And if he's not, Robinson really is the only true wing on the roster. So a wing was was a vital need for North Carolina in the class of 2018. And Little definitely brings athleticism. He brings shooting prowess. He has the potential to be a very good defender. He's got the lateral quickness and, and the reach and the strength to play in the post if need be. So, I mean, he's a, just a very versatile player who's gotten better, you know, from, from last year this time to now. It's just been an astronomical change in how good he is. That's great to hear that that the development is coming along with him. I was looking at what's listed on his scout profile with his AAU stats. It shows that he's a 29% three-point field goal, but his free throws are right there at around 74. So I usually look at free throws if I'm trying to decide, all right, is this guy capable of having a really good shooting touch? And I like seeing that basically three-quarters of the time at the free-throw line, he sinks them. Do you think that he can develop to be a little bit more of maybe a consistent three-point field goal, or is that something that he's already improved on to this point? Yeah, I think it's something he's already improved on. And one thing about AU, which you know is in the news for a variety of reasons right now, um, <laughs> there are there are good programs there are bad programs there are good days where people try hard and bad days where people really maybe don't try as hard so saying that during the summer sometimes you know guys you know they're in their third game of the day or fifth game in two days and legs are gone so sometimes it's not a true representation of how good or bad someone is at a particular thing i think like you said you look at you know shooting style shooting stroke you look at and you know his release you look at his form how his feet are his base you look at those things to determine exactly how someone can shoot at the next level and i i think you know granted 29 percent is not good but it's something he has improved on and i think you saw that improvement throughout the summer. So I think he has the potential to be a, a good shooter. Now, playing in North Carolina system is very different from playing AU and playing high school basketball. So he'll have to work to make sure he integrates himself properly so that his, his form stays and he's able to be a good shooter for North Carolina next year. And since you mentioned the AAU thing, and obviously that's been in the news, like you said, uh, you did the podcast with Tommy Ashley last week, kind of talking about everything that happened with that. Do you think that the FBI investigations, did that play a role, you think, in Little's ultimate decision? And you know, if so, how big of a deal do you think was it for him? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely did. When you talk to different people, you of course, you hear a variety of things about who did what and who said what. Um, the Little family has maintained adamantly, I, I should add, their innocence in this, that they never accepted anything, that they were never offered anything, that they have no connection to anyone other than Nasir's former AAU coach, Brad Augustine, who was named in, in the indictment. So, you know, I, it's just it's, it's kind of funny because North Carolina for so long you know, wasn't able to get a, a top 10 player like we talked about. And it's not like they weren't offering them. And then, you know, a, a week after FBI crackdown on certain schools, uh, you know, Miami and Arizona are believed to be schools named in the indictment. They weren't officially named in it, but, you know, you can basically track it down. And they were in his final group along with Duke and Georgia Tech. So it's just interesting, you know, that happens. And a week later, North Carolina gets a top 10 commitment. It does make you think, but I think North Carolina will be one of the beneficiaries of this moving forward. We've talked about it on a podcast with Tommy, I guess it was last week. Basically, yeah. the, the, the 2019 class 
class is going to be the cleanest maybe in basketball history. And so that benefits programs who have traditionally been, you know, seen as clean, who never have really any improprieties. You know, your North Carolinas, schools like Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan State, I think are going to do very well now that the playing field is a little bit level. So it helps North Carolina in that regard. It's not the only impediment to them continuing to get elite talent, but it, it's one thing out of the way. And I will definitely take the results anytime <laughs> that Carolina can be landing a top 10 player. And then to kind of wrap up our discussion about Little, how do you see him meshing with Carolina's two committed prospects already in that same class, Kobe White and I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, but Recon Black. Uh, and if I butchered that, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, but, uh, you, just call, you can call him Leaky. Leaky. His, nick, his name is Leaky, so go with that. I was trying to be like semi-professional, so <laughs> I figured I, w- I would make a, a shot at pronouncing his first name. But with Black and, and White, how do you see Little mixing with them? Do you think that they complement each other? I guess more so it'd be more pertinent for Black because even though he's played kind of that point forward role, I personally see him as developing in more of a forward, especially when he gets to the college level. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, the North Carolina staff has told Leaky that he will definitely have a chance to play point guard. So, you know, depending upon what happens with Jaleek Felton, you know, for a sophomore year, there could be, there's a chance that there's only like three guards or three guys who can play point guard on the roster, which would be Seventh Woods, Kobe White, and Leaky Black if, you know, Jaleek were to go pro or something. So it's something to monitor because they, they said they might give him a chance. But those guys know each other well. They've played against each other on different circuits at different camps, you know, in, in the way things are now, pretty much all those guys know each other. And they actually were on campus for his official visit. They took an unofficial uh, both Kobe and Leakey took unofficials to North Carolina and, you know, they got to meet and talk to each other. And we talked to Leakey Black about it. And he basically said, you know, he kind of looked around and was like, man, these these are the guys I can win a national championship with. So they've started talking to each other, developing a relationship on the court. Having two guys like Kobe and Nasir will be kind of a coach's dream as far as how hard they play. Those are definitely two of the hardest playing guys North Carolina's gotten in a while. They are Whatever term you want to use, you know, dog or alpha males or whatever you want to use, they both possess those qualities. And I think that will help a North Carolina team who will have lost Joel Berry and Theo Pence in the graduation. They'll need someone to kind of take over for those two guys. And there's a chance for both Little and White to step into that role. And especially given that both of them can create their own shot and kind of just take the ball and score when needed. I think that's also pretty important. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are times when we, we've seen the times when the North Carolina offense bogs down and they need Joel Berry to pull up for a three or Theo Pinson to do some crazy penetration or Marcus Page to pull up for three. You know, there are times when you just need somebody to make a play. Taiwan Lawson maybe is the best in Carolina history at doing that. And, you know, when the offense maybe wasn't doing what it needed to do or they hadn't scored in a while, he would just say, OK, give me the ball and the score. And Kobe White, more so than us here, more so than anyone Carolina's had in quite some time, has that ability where, you know, they say the the slang term is he gets buckets, but he does. He just kind of puts his head down, goes to the rim, either gets fouled or he scores. So that'll be good to have for North Carolina, I think, next year. And then switching gears a little bit, talking about a uncommitted prospect Carolina has coming in for an official visit this weekend. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about that one. So it's Darius Days, another kid actually from Florida. He was going to school at the Rock School in Gainesville, but he since transferred to IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. 
So he's coming up for an official visit. He should arrive in Chapel Hill late Thursday night, and then his visit will begin Friday morning. He is a, you know, the combo forward. So North Carolina, what Williams has done lately is he's kind of saw how well Luke May played last year. And he's told a few of the recruits in 2018 that he wants someone who can kind of do those things, play inside, outside, be a good rebounder, but also, you know, step out and hit a three if need be. So Days kind of fits that mold along with Simi Shatu, who we'll talk about a little bit more, I guess, in another podcast. And then Nate Lazuski, who actually committed to, excuse me, Nate Lashevsky, who committed to Notre Dame last week, was also another player Carolina had offered in that mold. So that's what they're looking for from Days. He's really good friends, actually, with Little. Again, both Florida kids, they've kind of run in the same circle. So that could be an advantage for UNC. Most people or a lot of people think he may be leaning towards LSU, but the North Carolina staff does official visits very well. And they pride themselves on if they can get you on campus, they feel like they have a good shot. So days will be on campus and you know it's up to the staff to try to convince him to come to UNC. So is he going to be staying through Saturday, which means he'd be able to catch the football game then? Yeah, yeah. So the official visits are 48 hours. So presumably his visit will start early Friday morning and last until, you know, kind of early Sunday morning. And then he'll fly back out to Florida. So he'll be at the uh, Notre Dame game. He'll see that environment. He'll probably watch practice either maybe Friday and Saturday, but definitely Saturday. If there's a pickup game, he'll probably play in that, watch the football game and then hang out with the team, maybe watch some film with Coach Williams. And then on Sunday, traditionally, there's a breakfast with Coach Williams and then off they go. One thing talking about Days, his ranking specifically, I like that he is someone that seems to be making some big leaps. Looks like he went from the unranked and then earlier on he came out just inside the, the top 100 and then looks like currently he's 63. So he's jumped over 30 spots, I guess, since the last evaluation. And that's what I kind of like to see, and especially when you're, when you're talking about these combo forward guys, because they tend to develop a little bit later. You can tell me if, if that's probably maybe a fair assessment or not. But in terms of just where he's at on the national scale, looks like his stock is definitely trending upwards. Yeah. And, you know, we actually as a staff didn't get to see him over the summer. He played on the Under Armour circuit, which is a little more nondescript this past summer. So we didn't get out to those locations because there's so many targets at uh, Adidas tournaments and at Nike tournaments. But by all accounts, he played really well. I think one thing his, his coach or his former coach at the Rock School told us was that he's an excellent rebounder. And that might surprise you for someone who's six seven, but we talked about how he uses his size, his you know, and his his length to be able to grab rebounds, and he plays really aggressive. So that seems to be a common trend with some of the 2018 guys that North Carolina either has committed or is looking at. They are very aggressive. They play very hard. You know, for me, you know, as far as a player comparison, obviously not saying he's as talented, but he he reminds me a lot of Paul Millsap, who plays for he used to play for the Atlanta Hawks, and now he plays for the Denver Nuggets. But a very kind of compact, you know, six seven, six eight guy who can you know, shoot from distance and is a very good rebounder. Not a great ball handler, but a competent one. So that's kind of what I see from days. And I don't think he's a one and done prospect, but he's someone who could come to Carolina and in two years be ready to go to the NBA. So definitely player to watch. I think he's someone that Hubert Davis has invested a lot of time in. He's the lead recruiter for days. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. He's announcing, we're scheduled to announce his decision on his birthday, which is October 20th. So we'll see if it actually is that day. And if North Carolina has a shot. Has he visited LSU? You mentioned that they were kind of presumed to be his leader. Has he already done an official there? Uh, I could have told you that yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. I can, I can Google it real quick. I don't think he has. 
I don't okay. think he has. Gotcha. Well, you just mentioned that since his visits, since his announcement is only a couple weeks away, I didn't know if maybe you know he had time or if he's planning on going down there to Baton Rouge. But you know, lots of chatter out there that LSU might also be implicated in this FBI thing. So we'll have to yeah. wait and see how that pans out. Yeah, I think he's going next week to LSU. But gotcha. if I'm wrong, don't don't shoot me on that. But I think that's where he's going. No worries. I was just going to say the kind of the final point is getting a guys like Days in addition to now Little, Leaky, and Kobe. I really like these guys coming in as a good mix of potential one and dones, but then also you have kids that are probably going to be in college for a couple of years, like you mentioned. Do you think that that's also something that Roy Williams and the staff are definitely trying to, to develop a balance of not going completely down the one and done path and trying to get guys that they can take time and develop? Uh, yeah, I think so. So I, I just checked, and Days actually is officially visiting LSU on October 20th. So I might have mixed the dates up, but his decision is supposed to come later this month. You got a lot going on, Rail. We'll, we'll forgive you for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Roy Williams' thing is he always talked about experienced talent. So if you notice, he's never shied away from going after the one and them players. I mean, we can just go back a few years, Brandon Ingram, Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins. You know, he offered all those guys, D'Angelo Russell, you know, Austin Rivers, Kyrie Irving, Dennis Smith Jr. You know, pretty much every one and done over the last few years, North Carolina's talked to or offered a scholarship to because they're the best players. And, you know, odds are if you have the best players, you're going to win most of the time. It's not rocket science as far as that is concerned. But what he doesn't want to do is have 12 one and done players or five one and done players. His construction would be more like three or four, three or four year guys, two or three, one or two year guys, and then a couple of one and done. So that way you have some kind of continuity, you have some elite talent, you have some talent that needs to develop over a couple of years, and then maybe talent that needs to develop over three years. And then, you know, you put that together and you have a team who can you know, cut down nets, which North Carolina has done a pretty good job at, you know, since Williams got back to North Carolina. So that that's kind of what he likes. I think if you asked him for a perfect team, he would say the 2009 team because that team had three or excuse me, two top 10, three top 10 players in Tyler Hansborough, um, Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington. And then they had another player, Danny Green, who was a consensus top 20 player. And then players like Deion Thompson, who was a, you know, top 50 Tyler Zeller and Ed Davis, who were both kind of top 20 type guys. So it, it had a, a varying range of experience and talent. So, you know, that's my opinion. He's never said that. But I think 2009, if you could say, what's the perfect makeup for your team, he would say 2009. And that team certainly proved it by the way that they just rolled through everyone on their way to the title. That was by far the most entertaining national championship game I have ever watched as a Carolina fan. I mean, it was over after like two minutes. That was entertaining for you? <laughs> it was, yes, it was glorious because I actually got to like enjoy it. But to go ahead and wrap this one up, Rel, just give us a quick little teaser for what you've got coming out as far as storylines for this week. And then we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Yeah, so we put out the weekly scoop yesterday, and then we've got Inside the Commitment with Nasir Little. I think that's a, a pretty good piece to check out just because it gives a very comprehensive overview of you know how North Carolina got from not knowing who he was basically last September to him now being their first top 10 commit in four years. And, you know, check out the story, but there's a, there's an assist that Jeff Lebo gave, former Carolina point guard, who's now the head coach of East Carolina, kind of helped jumpstart the situation. So you can check that out. And then we'll have coverage of Days' official visit. And then next week, the week of late night with Roy, 
there's all kinds of visitors coming, official visits and unofficial visits. So we'll be covering all that stuff. Sounds great, Rel. I appreciate the information, man. And for this and more recruiting stories, and to especially read that piece on Nas Little, head over to the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Board. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.